Welcome to Transformers, the podcast about how business people and policymakers are creating a sustainable future. I'm your host, Kai Embren. My guest today is Carl Hendrik Rubert. He has a long career as cancer scientist and clinician. Carl Hendrik is also a professor of strategic sustainable development at the Blekinge Institute of Technology in Sweden. His research and advice on the link between ecology, economy and technology has given him the Green Cross Award for International Leadership. And in year 2000, he was awarded the Blue Planet Prize for his role in, starting in 1989, the international scientific consensus process to create and develop the framework for strategic sustainable development, also known as the Natural Step Framework a structure that lays out the system conditions for sustainability to be used by governments, organizations and business. Currently, Carl Hendrik supervises PhD students on strategic sustainable development. He is one of the founders of this international master's program on strategic leadership toward sustainability. During its 12 year existence, this program has hosted more than 800 students from more than 80 countries with a great diversity of age, gender, educational and professional backgrounds. Welcome to Transformers podcast, Carl Hendrik. Thank you, Kai. Well, uh, let's start to inform the listener that we have met before in, in the setup of the Natural Step Foundation, a non-profit, non-government organization founded in Sweden 1989. I had the ideas of what I wanted to do uh, very clearly outlined in my head, but I didn't know much of how to develop an organization to make those ideas fly. But it was very stimulating for me to co-create an organization that could walk the talk uh, and for that purpose, I really needed you and some other uh, associates to, to make it possible to develop uh, my ideas. Uh, so the challenge we gave ourselves in the beginning of these developments back uh, plus 30 years ago was to apply scientific methods to find uh, tools and concepts to fill those gaps. Uh, publishing such methods in scientific journals and then testing the results of applying them in real life business of organizations and in municipalities and then publishing also those uh, results for organizations as uh, case studies. What is generally lacking in business and politics is how all the tools relate to the full scope of sustainability. Uh, that is the systemic perspective. Furthermore, there are no guidelines for controlled processes to take that systemic perspective into account, that is the systematic perspective. And finally, answers to what's in it for me questions are generally missing too, leading to a resistance to sustainable development, that is the strategic dimension very often people believe that uh, proactivity and sustainable development costs money, whereas in fact, if you do it cleverly and strategically uh, towards the full scope of sustainability and systematically, you will earn from day one 
in relation to opposition on the market that don't know Karl Henrik, can you explain in few words how this often missing piece works to identify the boundary conditions for sustainability? Yes, the, the guiding and crucial innovation was to identify boundary conditions for sustainability. That is the term coming from design science. Uh, boundary conditions for any successful outcome uh, means that any scenario within them means success and any scenario outside of the boundary conditions means failure. Uh, so boundary conditions for sustainability means uh, boundary conditions that any sustainable futures must comply with. And outside of those boundary conditions, no sustainable future is possible. It's like the complex game chess, where all winning scenarios on the chessboard comply with the four boundary conditions of checkmate, or within which any successful treatment of cancer comply with the two boundary conditions of cancer cure. There are eight such boundary conditions for the cure of the deadly societal disease of sustainability, that is, a disease that makes any happy ending for society at large impossible. Uh, would the disease not be cured, that is? We all know that we live in a time of a complex low carbon agenda. New demands on mining to get copper, nickel, cobalt, lithium and other earth metals that should be used in electrical cars, in wind, energy and other products in the low carbon economy. But it mm -hmm. also involves issues on biodiversity and life of local indigenous communities. How do you see this complexity? Can it fit in in a sustainable system perspective? Yeah, well, this question implicates rightly that a possible attractive future must be modeled such that all society sectors fit the above mentioned boundary conditions for sustainability together, not one by one, but all together. Only then is it relevant to discuss possible routes to get there and thereby finding guidelines for stepwise approaches. Otherwise, we are bound to continue solving one problem by inventing another. Um, complexity is too large for piecemeal solutions of one problem at a time. <clears throat> Modeling within a robust boundary conditions for sustainability, however, shows clearly that the main problem today is not to make crucial sectors fit within boundary conditions for sustainability together. There are myriad possibilities to make that happen. The main problem is instead that we suffer a complete lack of leadership to understand this. And the same goes for scientific advice to leaders. Most scientists are active in silos like scientists on climate change or toxicity or 
biodiversity or ecology or economy or social sciences, he has named them. But most of them have never led any complex organization to any complex goal in the complex system, biosphere, civilization. So most scientists, as well as leaders, have no shared mental model for the boundary conditions of sustainability. And consequently, we see attempts every day to solve one problem or unsustainability problem by inventing another. You as a Swedish scientist also see the agenda for green steel development and new mining process in the north of Sweden. It is a new industrial development full of sustainability principles and actions. Can it create jobs and reduce the impact of climate change? Yeah, well, for the same reason as we touched upon uh, before uh, in this interview, uh, yes, indeed. An electrified society is one of the most <laughs> attractive uh, scenarios within sustainability constraints or the boundary conditions of sustainability. And it can only come with innovative steps toward futures where metal reserves and other constraints within the boundary conditions of sustainability are modeled. And there are many, many ways of solving such problems within those constraints. But it is not about creating new jobs per se. That, that is a nice secondary effect from the needed paradigm, paradigm shift. I mean, we have a primary need to change societal paradigms and let money flows, investments, markets, cultures, profits, and of course jobs serve the needed change. And that will happen more or less automatically once we put the horse uh, before the chart. Uh, we must uh, respond to the need to get that an attractive, sustainable future and then develop uh, job creations and economies and other means accordingly, which can be done. Uh, it can be done systematically uh, if we only know how to define such cultures by the boundary conditions I mentioned. When we look at the discussion about sustainability, words that are often in the discussion, SDGs, ESG, Paris Agreement, and the dialogues about the recycling, circular economy, and system thinking. Is it a time of linear model take, make, waste, over? Yeah. Well, not really until the new concepts are aligned with the full systemic, systematic, and strategic perspective on sustainable development. All those concepts or topics of the public discourse are in fact examples of the first problem that I addressed about. That is scientists and leaders having outlined various concepts and tools, tackling this or that problem and or this or that solution, but neither with a large enough systemic, taking the whole system into account, systematic, 
cleverly moving towards sustainable futures that are jointly modeled across sectors to be sustainable together and strategic stepwise progress while earning money all the way. Uh, until this answer to the how question, not only conversations about the what and why questions uh, has become mainstream, society will continue to discuss sustainability outside of a systemic, systematic and strategic perspective. Hendrik, you as a key influencer from the early 1990, when you educated leaders in cooperation as IKEA, Electrolux, Interface, Nike, Philips, and numbers of municipalities across the globe, based on the boundaries conditions for systemic, systematic, strategic change. Can you tell me and the listener the main principle of the natural step? Well, when any organization is sustainable, it complies with the mentioned boundary conditions for sustainability. And, and that is synonymous to basic principles of sustainability. Uh, and those cover all aspects of sustainability. So any scenario that is sustainable must comply with all of them. And there are eight, in fact. And any scenario outside of them uh, does not. Uh, this also means that the principles of boundary conditions are unique in being absolutely, number one, necessary, but not more. Uh, because we don't want to involve value-based discussions and so forth if we want the definition that is necessary. Two, they need to be enough so that they cover and not neglect any possible aspect under each of the, of the boundary conditions. They must be general to always apply for all organizations, all product developers, any sustainability endeavor. They must be general to always apply. And the fourth element is that they must be concrete to really guide real change by modeling of organizational goals and guide progress towards such goals. Um, uh, they cannot be philosophical, but concrete uh, to really uh, foster real change. And finally, the fifth uh, criterion is that for boundary conditions of sustainability, they, um, to really be that, they need to be non-overlapping so that each principle cover its things. And this is to allow for comprehension and development of indicators and so forth. And this is just like uh, the principles or boundary conditions for checkmate or can secure. And there is only one set of boundary conditions uh, developed to comply with all those five criteria. And the boundary conditions are easy to learn if you begin applying them in reality. Uh, just like the principles of checkmate, checkmate are easy to remember if you begin playing the game. Or the principles of can secure if you begin to engage in that complex clinical challenge. It 
the two principles are to kill the lost cancer stem cells, but without killing the patient. And every clinical breakthrough uh, uh, since that was known uh, many decades ago uh, has happened uh, because of a shared mental model of understanding those uh, two uh, boundary conditions for cancer cure. And when I say this, I refer to numerous articles and doctor dissertations and pedagogical videos, but I prefer to refrain from taking any time to explain the boundary conditions in a one hour pod. We don't have that time uh, to begin playing around with them and apply them. So I let that remain a cliffhanger, but I would only be happy to return and, and uh, with uh, very easy pedagogical uh, descriptions and outlines of them. Can you give some examples of how to implement system thinking in an organization? Yeah, well, implementation is really important. It is key to develop a group within organizations that understand the strategic concept of systematic sustainable change. Uh, including the boundary conditions and how to model goals within those boundary conditions, as well as how to systematically approach them. Uh, and explain to organizations the self-benefit of that kind of change, uh, not the least financially and immediately, and then work with them as a facilitator until they have the knowledge implanted in-house. Carl Hendrik, what is the natural step? Well, that's the name of the NGO I founded plus 30 years ago with, uh, and, and the overall question uh, the organization was founded to respond to was, what can science help us agree on as regards an operational definition of sustainability? That is the boundary conditions. And how could this help us model possible futures where all sectors comply with that definition together? And how could individual organizations benefit from understanding uh, the self-benefit of stepwise approaches to such futures better than their competition on markets um, uh, so that people don't continue to believe that uh, sustainable development uh, costs money. Uh, it is always a matter of uh, investments if you know what you're doing or rather clever strategic approaches to sustainability always pays off better than not understanding the game uh, competently. And that is uh, described in detail in scientific studies that I would also be happy to share uh, with any listener. And I began to explain in this attempt uh, 30 years ago to 60 plus of the leading scientists in Sweden at the time all of them active on uh, for sustainable development. And then I managed to serve them as a secretary when 
the first consensus document on such an agreement was authored. And then I managed to sponsor a mailing of this agreement to all Swedish households and schools. And the format of this agreement was an audio cassette plus a picture book and the mailing to all Swedes and all schools was supported by UN Secretary General, uh, UN Secretary General Peres de Quellier, His Majesty the Swedish King, Pippi Longstrump, author Astrid Lindgren, who all celebrated the event of this mailing on a national TV broadcast. And after that mailing, the, the impact was huge. Um, suddenly I appeared in TV sofas, boardrooms, in a hearing in the Swedish parliament, together with my scientific uh, peers, etc. And this way, the societal impact was profound. And uh, suddenly I got invitations from all around the world to help other groups uh, in other countries begin TNS startups uh, guided by the same theme that, that is building further on the original consensus where the same mindset, what can science help us agree on? Uh, today, the methodology is the leading operative system for strategic sustainable development in the world. When you are looking back and see what has happened in corporations and in governments from the time of the foundation's most active time and until today, what is the lesson learned from this work? Well, that is very important. Uh, of course, um, this question speaks to how to make the development this operative system stay in organizations and to implement it. Then the first point is to always begin explaining the self-benefit, not the least financially, and already from the beginning of systemic, systematic, and strategic sustainable development. Many people believe that it may pay off sometime in the future, but the challenge is to make it pay off uh, from day one. Number two, always make sure that top management and owners and boards are not only, uh, quote, on board, end of quote, uh, which mostly means that they delegate the responsibility for sustainability to some middle managers, but uh, and doing so as, as if it were some kind of add-on or cosmetic side passenger to decisions made from other and more strategic angles. This is the leading challenge society has today. And leaders and boards need to take active part in analysis of solutions and development of business programs for systematic change on inevitably more and more sustainability driven markets. And third point is to make sure they develop the in-house knowledge to continue on their own, uh, to, to not need to rely on external help all the, all the time, uh, because the remaining dependency on external consultant, consultants doesn't work. 
So, Karl Hendrik, what sort of leadership would you like to see when system thinking and sustainability are on the agenda? That is the most crucial problem we have. Uh, and the term for it is flat leadership. Um, we have technologies, resources, know-how to feed 10 billion people on Earth within the boundary conditions or the sustainability constraints. But we lack the leadership. And to make it possible to look forward to an attractive, sustainable world, uh, we need leaders at all levels in society to, with a know-how to model futures that are attractive within the boundary conditions of sustainability and, and then be, and then help staff and themselves to be innovative across disciplines and sectors when it comes to CFWISE approaches, for instance, throughout value chains or in, throughout other stakeholder groups. And this is far from what we see today. Uh, instead, we experience piecemeal attempts trying to crack one problem at a time. Uh, for instance, climate change uh, with one solution at a time, for instance, uh, biofuel. Uh, which create new problems elsewhere in the system. For instance, the lack of resources uh, from cropland and forests to feed people um, with escalating food prices and so forth and so on. Um, and, and trying to go down that route, uh, piecemeal solutions or piecemeal problems or symptoms of unsustainability that is not only difficult for systemic, systematic and strategic progress towards uh, su successful, sustainable development. It is impossible. You have supervised more than 800 PhD students from more than 80 different countries about strategic sustainability development. How is it to lead such a program? And what is your view of the students' interest to become system thinker, sustainability leaders in the future? Yeah, well, when it comes to my task as a professor of university, it's about uh, teaching flat leadership based on strategic sustainable development as a shared mental model with the boundary conditions and all. It's where leaders are tough, in fact, uh, when it comes to foster the basics of the methodology uh, developed. The boundary conditions are developed directly from laws of nature, such as gravity and the laws of thermodynamics and the principle of matter conservation and the basics of understanding social systems and their dependence on interpersonal trust, and a kind of leadership that can sustain that trust and understand those laws of nature by putting them together into uh, a systemic, systematic, and strategic uh, change. And then to accept the chaos that may initially characterize, characterize processes that are inviting creativity and innovation from employees that are stimulated from this core 
both aspects require strong leadership that is being firm about the core and understanding this and then having the nerves to allow some chaos in the beginning as people begin to develop their communities within that core. Uh, and unlike what many people know or have thought about, this kind of flat leadership requires boldness, firmness, and yet they are inclusive and non-prescriptive. Uh, it is difficult, and, and uh, but boy, is it rewarding to get out of the top-down demand and control model for leadership. You can get help in remembering the difference as an imagined welcoming speech from a leader uh, when this leader is uh, receiving uh, new employees in the organization. Uh, the first would be like this, welcome. Here you are allowed to do this and this and this, which in fact means that's all you're allowed to do. The second uh, option, uh, speaking to a flat leadership, would sound like this. Welcome. Here, you cannot do this or that because it violates the basics of what this organization is all about. But beyond that, you're not only allowed to do what you want, we want you to do what you want and be creatively and innovatively engaged to feel free within those constraints. It was a great uh, moment to have you here in the program today, Carl Henrik, and, and thank you for your contribution and input to the discussion of how we make our society more sustainable. Thank you. Thank you so Carl much, Kai. I'm Kai Embren. Follow me on Twitter and LinkedIn, where I will be announcing the future guests to this podcast. And you can expect about two programs a month. And each guest has a unique story of making business and society sustainable. So find out more. Visit my homepage, kaiembren.org. Thank you for listening.